Gosh, the prospect of enduring another year of his introductions is <laughs> somewhat wearisome. <laughs> I love him. Folks, uh, you know I love to use little AV uh, uh, bits of film and stuff like that. I found a, a very encouraging thing just to um, just help us embrace the new year. Thank you, James. What's not to like about New Year? God's message, the gospel, is all about grace and new beginnings. His mercy is love and a fresh start. I, I just love New Year. It just has everything of that, all the promise of a new year. And uh, I'm just going to pray now, and then we're going to get straight into this morning's teaching. Father, I want to say thank you for new beginnings. Thank you, Lord God, that you took a sinner like me, and you gave me uh, a second chance that, Lord God, you... You blessed me, you washed me, you cleansed me, you forgave me, you, you poured out your spirit into me, you set me on my feet, Lord God, and as part of this community, Lord God, we carry the light of Christ into the world, and we ask it all, and we ask that his name be glorified, and we ask it for Jesus' sake, amen, amen. Okay, this is a time when one tends to reflect, if you get half a chance, and I've been reflecting, and and also attend him to the Lord over the Christmas period, just asking him, you know, Lord, what is it you have for me and my family? What is it you have for us as a community? And, and what are you doing? What are you doing uh, in, in the broader picture, the, the nation even? Uh, and I ask these kind of questions. And time and again, the Lord has just reminded me over this holiday of an experience, an encounter I had with him, which will be familiar to some of you, in 1996. Now, without going into the background, but 1996 was a very difficult year for us as a family. And uh, I found myself down in Dartmouth on retreat. And uh, on this particular occasion, it was about March, I think, something like that, on this particular occasion, uh, a friend had lent us their holiday home and it overlooked the river there in Dartmouth, if you know, very nice position. And uh, I, I slept very, very well, but woke up with a, a start at bang on five o'clock in the morning. And uh, I, I, I picked up my watch. I remember looking at my watch and thinking, gosh, it's five o'clock. And whenever God, when, whenever God wakes me up with a start and, and the time is kind of you know, on the hour, and that does happen from time to time, it's an extraordinary thing. I know that there's something... And so I kind of, I, I tossed and turned a little bit. I tried to do the kind of negotiating with God. Okay, God, I'm going to just lie in bed here, and I'm just going to pray a little bit, you know. But that wasn't going to be enough that morning. And finally, I had to get up, and I, I read my, I opened my Bible, and I, I, I didn't really, couldn't really grasp what it was that, that I was supposed to be, you know, thinking about or praying about or reading or studying. And this house had a little bay window, and I felt the Lord just prompt me just to be quiet, instead of yattering at him, and, and chattering at him, and flicking pages, and sticking pins in Bibles, and all the other things that one might do. I felt the Lord just said, just go and sit in the bay window. And so there was this rocking chair, and I sat down in the bay window, and drew the curtains back, and it was absolutely pitch black. Well, that's not quite true. I could just see the silhouette of the hillside on the, on the opposite side of the river, and there was a slight change in color. And I just sat there in silence for a while. And the silence began to settle on me, and the stillness settled on me. And I don't think I've ever been as awake as I was in that moment. And I was just sat there for a long time. And as the light began to strengthen on the hillside opposite, 
Uh, again, it was just a silhouette, but the, the, the sky changed color. I sat there and I began to become aware of something which struck me as rather unusual. I could see that there was a fog bank in, in the river valley. And uh, the fog bank was piled up on, on the left-hand side. And it was piled up on the right-hand side, but in front of me, directly across the river, and I could now make out the river and see the, the houses on the other side, just sort of in the, the glimmering of the morning, uh, still not sunrise. Uh, I could see that perfectly clearly. And, and I, it felt like, uh, I, 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 you know, I just thought, uh, uh, it's a little like Moses, you know, staring at the Red Sea and a way opens up because it was so odd. There was this bank and this bank, but nothing in between. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the sky started to change color vividly and, and, and there was a little bit of color. There weren't too many clouds that morning, so there wasn't a great redness, but it began to change very quickly. And then the sun kind of breached on the hillside opposite and this great... This extraordinary great blast of uh, this, this shaft of light came into the, the room. It was most extraordinary experience. And again, I could see these shimmering cloud banks, uh, these fog banks on either side, and there was just thing. And in that moment, the Lord gave me Isaiah 60, which I read at the end of the worship, which was simply this. It just, I, I didn't even read it. it. I remembered it. It came to mind. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Uh, that, I, I couldn't deny the experience or the encounter. It was almost theatrical. It was extraordinary. I, needless to say, I, I fell to my knees and buried my face in the in the in the carpet, the rug, and, and, and didn't dare move. It was just such a profound experience. But in the context of a very difficult, dark time, when I was thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you know, what are we doing here? And what's this about? And why don't I just pack up and go back to making money, and, which I did so well you know, earlier? And there were all these kind of questions and, and conflicts in myself. And yet in the midst of that, God just spoke into me. And it was a prophetic word. And I believe the Lord's reminded me about it, this holiday in particular, because I believe that there is in some sense, and I'm not going to be prescriptive, I believe in some sense it has been happening throughout our 25th anniversary year, but there is something of fulfillment of that word. Whatever God had in mind when he was reminding me of Isaiah 60 about this church and you as a people, this season that we're coming into is one where where God is raising our profile. He gave me three words, and they're on, all of them are good words. I know that Den gave us a bit of a hard time last week, bless your heart, but you know, that was quite right too. But, but three words that came out was, was be more power, there would be more profile, and that's a mixed blessing. <laughs> you know, people are noticing us now, whereas for a long time we've just got on and done our thing, and there would be prosperity. And I thank God for that because the last three years have been tough for us all, not least the church. So power, profile, and prosperity. But, but there is great responsibility that comes with all of those things. And, and, and so I'm excited about this year, and I want to be ready for it. 
And so as I thought about light and light coming to us and Christmas where we celebrate, you know, the light coming into the world, and I thought about that, you know, I tried to take hold of that image, that, that encounter I had with God back there in 96. As so I tried to sort of bring that into the present, so I found myself wanting to wake up. I didn't want to just say, oh, that's really nice. Thank you, Lord. I like that one. That's kind of, I'll put that in my journal. I wanted to embrace God. I said, you know, Lord, don't let me miss this. Please, dear God, let me embrace this. And this whole idea of, of stretching, of waking up. And the next little verse that, that sort of seems to be opposite is Ephesians 5, verse 8 to 14. We'll just read that. I'm not going to dwell on it. I, 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 this hates me doing this. And forgive me, darling, for doing it again. But, but take this away as homework. I know, you know Ephesians 5, 18 to 14, just take this home and ask God, how does this apply to me? How, how can I embrace this? How can I engage with this? But Ephesians 5, 8 to 14 says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I'll read on, although it's not on the screen, verse 15 and 16 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And I think as a church, if I, you know, at this stage, ask me in three months, but my prayer for us as a community, a faith community, at the beginning of 2014 is that we as a people will make the most of every opportunity you know, there is a season of favor that we're coming into and are already in, where people are speaking well of us. It probably won't last, but whilst we have that opportunity, let's make the most of every opportunity. Thank you, Nick, for that word that you spoke out. I felt that it was, it was pertinent to the message, you know, about not being afraid, not being ashamed of the gospel, not wasting moments. Uh, but, but making the most of every moment. And so as I thought about that, about waking up, I said, God, I want to wake up. I just sort of felt I needed to do what I asked you to do at the end of the worship. I felt I, I, I needed to physically stretch. I want to be awake. I don't want to be dopey. I want to be awake. And so this little word stretch came to mind. And and I thought it was just a personal thing, but the more I looked at it, I could see that there was an acronym there. There was a kind of an acrostic thing we could do with it. Um, the, uh, my notes, I understand, go up on the website. I, I'm not sure whether Emma's in at the moment to tell me where to find those, but uh, where would they be? Where do they go? So Emma, oh, there she is. Hi, Anne. So if people want to find my, my sermon notes, because they won't remember all these sort of things, where do, where do they have to go to find that on the website? So they, ha so they have to be a, registered as a member, and then my vineyard, and then they get sermon notes. Okay, so if you're not registered as a member, it's free to register, you need to register, and then you can re re see the sermon notes, at least the headings, and that will help you remember this. Okay, thanks Sam, that's great. Thank you very much. So stretch, seven letters. First of all, and, and if, you, if you forget everything else, and if you never come back to this church, and if you never go on the website, just remember the first one, please. S, 
S stands for seek God's face. Seek God's face. Seek his face before his hand. We all want God to do things for us. We all have a shopping list of things that we would love God to do. Or maybe you just have the one thing, the one big thing. Oh, God, please, 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 pretty please, do this for me this year. Whatever that is, okay, that's fine. But before we seek his hand, what he can give us, seek his face. And by that, we mean seek him for himself. You know, you, you've probably had friends or acquaintances over the years who, who see you as, as a, a soft touch. They'll borrow money off you or forever coming around and borrowing your lawnmower. And you think, well, why don't you buy your own, you know, whatever it is, you know. Uh, and you begin to feel a little used. You feel a little neglected. You feel a little taken advantage of. Listen, let's not take advantage of God because he is seeking relationship. Seek God's face. Let this be a year where you seek God's face. And Psalm 27 verse 8 says this, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. If you remember one verse, remember that one. Psalm 27 verse 8, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I like that verse because there's, there's two important elements there. I find that my heart is for God. My heart at this stage in my life, is that there's a leaning towards God. And every one of us, some of you may be further along than I, and some of you may not be as as far on, on as I, but there is something in us that yearns for God, that yearns for relationship. And I will be doing other things. Sometimes I'll be tinkering on my car, you know, a hobby of mine, or I'll watching a favorite program, and suddenly I get this kind of restless thing where I feel like I ought to spend some time with God. Is it just me, or does anybody else ever have those kind of interruptions where you feel like you need to seek God's face? A few people raised your hand. And my heart is after him, but as Jesus said to the disciples who were falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, the, you know, the, the spirit is willing. It's in our heart. But the flesh is weak. We get distracted. We want to do other things. You know, we, we get, the, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll have a quiet time when I've got the kids to bed, when I've done the washing up, when I've done this bit of marking, I'm da 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 da, and then I'll have a quiet time. By the time you get to that point, you're falling asleep. You know? So within our heart, there is this desire to connect, this longing for God, if you like. And so the psalmist picks up on that, it says, My heart says, seek his face. What the psalmist does here, which I love, and this is why I say, please remember this verse. He then says, your face, Lord, I will seek. That's where the will kicks in. So the heart's there. The longing is there. The spirit is willing. But also often, it doesn't get manifest in action. It doesn't actually get worked out. But here we have, in this verse, the psalmist doing the two things. He's recognizing that longing for God, seek God's face. And then he says, you know what? I will seek God's face. So right at the beginning of this year, resolve to make more time for Jesus. Make more time for him. Seek God's face. As I said, if you forget everything else I say in the next 25 minutes, remember that, please. First, seek God's face. Secondly, T, take time to reflect. We're all busy people. We're all busy people. 
And life happens, and life really can interrupt us. I was reading Psalm 37 a few weeks ago, and it's an interesting psalm. It's kind of, it's quite troubled in some ways. You know, that's the lovely thing about the psalms. There's a real reality there. But in the midst of it, having sort of struggled with various thoughts, the psalmist says, I'm going I'm to remember the deeds of the Lord. And that's always a good thing. If you have any history at all with God, with walking with Jesus, there are things to remember, things to recall, and things to give thanks for. And we need to spend a little more time, not just charging onto the next thing, but thanking God for the last thing. I thank God for our 25th anniversary. So many good things happened. We seemed to, the church seemed to break through to a new level. It was just wonderful. It was extraordinary hard work, and he killed us all. I wouldn't wish that level of, of energy upon anybody again too soon, although I hope we will be committing ourselves fully to the ministry, but it was hard work. But boy, was it worthwhile. So many good things happened. And as I look back on last year, I, I, and I remember the various things that we did and we, we shared together and we experienced together and the opportunities we had uh, and, 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 and just the extraordinary favor that we had in, in so many different areas. I am grateful. And it's good to remember that because as I've often said, God's faithfulness in the past gives us Faith for the future. God's faithfulness in the past gives us faith for the future. So uh, second, take time to reflect. You know, go for a little walk. You know, sit and look over some river valley like I did on that occasion. Find a little space. Sometimes people need to be still. Generally, I need to move. I need to walk to reflect. But whatever works for you, make that part of your commitment to seek God's face. Take time to reflect. Ah, remember his kindness. God is good all the time. God is good. I think I, I shared uh, in my last talk of, the, of last year how, how I was in a season where I was beginning to reevaluate some of the difficult things that happened and beginning to see them actually in a way I never thought I would as a blessing. So some of the things that happened in 96 and 94 and other times where which were really hard times in the, in the history of, of, of our walk with Jesus, you know, I, I look now and I say, God, you know, I couldn't have, I, I hope I did say thank you at the time and I hope I was faithful, but as I look back, I think, phew, my goodness, God, you are good. Thank you, because it didn't make sense at the time, but it makes sense to me now. Phew. And so, you know, remember God's kindnesses. That's his disposition towards you. He is kindly disposed. I've told you I was doing a funeral for a bunch of Catholics last year, beginning of two years ago, actually. And, and God gave me a very strong sense that, that I was to say to them, God is not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to catch you out so he can damn you. This kind of language really well, went well down with those Catholics. They understand that. God is not trying to kind of con you into some kind of terrible man trap. God actually is good. God is kindly disposed to you. And God, as it says in 1 Samuel 17, probably got that wrong, is always looking for ways to see people come home. God is always looking for ways so that people can come home. 
So remember his many kindnesses. Lamentations chapter uh, 33, chapter 3, verses 20 to 24. Not, a, not a, a book, actually, probably just simply because of the title that people tend to spend much time in, but there's some real gems there. God's compassion never fails. His blessing never fails. They are new every morning. Take that to heart. God's blessing, his compassion is ever new every morning. doesn't matter whether it's a gray Monday morning with a gale blowing in and you're late and the trains are disrupted and you're thinking, sheesh, God's blessing, his compassion is new every morning. Reflect and thank him for that. E, S-T-R-E, embraces discipline. Now, this is one, actually, that we tend to recoil from. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11, it encourages us to embrace God's blessing, uh, his, his discipline. Because he's, it says in the Scriptures, God disciplines those whom he loves. It's an act of love. You know, I, I have four grown-up children, four grandchildren, and I'm sure there are times when I was, uh, went over the top and lost my rag with them, you know. That's just me and the way I am. But as time has gone on, my, my, my discipline, my necessary discipline of the children, you know, was, was appropriate. And they thank me for it now. And they love me now. And I thank God. And they haven't moved away. And, you know, we're not one of those families which is, you know, as so many families are, which are just broken and torn apart. You know, I thank God. I, I, I see it as a precious thing. You know, my children love me. And I see them disciplining their children in much the same way as I would. I, I don't have to discipline my grandkids. I can just enjoy them and get them hyper excited. <laughs> which is what granddads do, you know. I think <laughs> it's true. It's such a cliche, but it's true. I just get them incredibly wound up, you know. Um, and I don't have to worry about discipline because my, my children, uh, they know how to discipline kids. And, uh, and it's an act of love. And it keeps them safe. And they take time with them. So discipline is a, a bit of a dirty word these days. Such a shame. Because actually it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of those things that God reserves for his children. Judgment is for the world, but his children, he disciplines them. And Hebrews in chapter 12 talks about that very thing, the way the father disciplines his children. And so do not be afraid of the Lord's discipline. I can't say that it's pleasant. I've never enjoyed it particularly, but I understand its value. So if God is on your case about some aspect of your life, as you, as you spend time with him, as you seek his face, as you begin to you know, uh, you know, reflect and all these other things, I'm encouraging you to do. If, if something comes up which makes, makes you wriggle and feel uncomfortable, don't, don't run away from it. Don't, don't, you know, I, I have this little prayer that my staff and close friends know. I, I just pray, do it good, God. It's a, not good for grammar, but I say, do it good. When I'm under the, Lord, under the cosh, when I feel like the Lord's dealing something in my life and challenging me about something, I say, do it good, Lord. Everybody just say that with me. I want you to practice because you'll have to use it. Ready? One, two, three. Do it good, God. Do it good. Not good grammar, but God knows what we mean. And we embrace God's discipline. And I don't want to learn the lesson one, two, three, four, five, six times because God will keep taking you back. You know, we're really struggling with one of my grandchildren about eating at the moment. And we keep presenting him with this food and he doesn't get down and he can't do this. And boy, if he would just eat a ham sandwich, life would be wonderful. But will he? 
No, anything, anything but, you know. But we keep insisting, you will, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know you don't like it, I know you want to drink, I know you want to go to the loo, I know you want to sort of go and chase the birds, I, I know you want to do all these other fun things, but you will eat this sandwich, son. You will. In fact, I remember Ritson and Ian telling me a story about, you know, presented one meal to them about over, over 36 hours, I think, yeah. Something you have to do sometimes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating violence against children, by the way, but... Um, <laughs> Just to be clear, I, I was accused of that once, you know. But, um, but what I am saying is, you know, discipline is an act of love. And, and popular thinking doesn't really, it's not big on that. It's an act of love. So embrace discipline. And so in these times of, 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 of just drawing close to God, if, if he begins to speak to you about something you thought you dealt with, well, just, just suck it up and get on with it. Sort it out, write that letter, make that phone call, make your peace with that person. Be, make the first move, even if they don't deserve it. Whatever it is, just do it. Because we're children of light, you see, not children of darkness. And children of light behave in a different way. Embrace discipline. Another T, take every opportunity. Again, just backing up on that word. You know, we are called to, to be light and salt. We are called to be light and salt. And uh, so we, we make the most, we ask God to, as a community, and this is my, my little prayer, wasn't it? I said uh, just after the worship, you know, if I, if I have a prayer for this church, is that we will make the most of every opportunity that God gives us. And individually as Christians, you know, uh, hopefully uh, there are those who are not yet followers of Jesus, who have some regard for you. Uh, and, uh, some will just despise you, of course, as part of the course, but hopefully there will be those that, that, that regard you well. You know, I don't know what it is about, about um, you know, John or, or Mike or, or Kerry or whatever it is people will say. You've changed, you know, what's that about? You know, make the most, tell them what's, what's happening. You know, tell them, you know, wh wh why it is that, that your life seems to be different these days. Make the most of that opportunity. I've got, uh, I can't give you any details, but, but I, I, in, in one forum, I have a lot of equity for various reasons. People hold me in high regard. But something has happened in that forum, that, that group of people, which, which is really, really very difficult. And I am now saying to God, God, I can shut up, I can smile, I can fold my arms, I can step back and smile sweetly, you know. Is that what you want me to do? I'm genuinely saying, just, do I just let this thing pass? Or do I risk my equity, risk the favor I have amongst these people to speak into this situation? I'm not asking for answers on a postcard. <laughs> I'm seeking God's face about it. Back to my first point. But you see, I don't, you know, I've often said to you, I don't want to end up going to heaven. I don't want this church, you know, at the end of the day is when Jesus comes again and calls everything, says, time, gentlemen, please, you know. I don't want us to be rich and fat. I want us to be breathless and penniless and exhausted from doing the work of the gospel. Somebody shout amen. amen. You see, if God prospers us, it's not just to make us rich and fat and all the rest of it. It's because he wants us to invest Invest in the kingdom, and, and, and that's for me true. You know, I don't want to go to the, you know, I don't want to present myself before the Lord 
you know, with, with masses of equity. I don't want thousands at my funerals. Oh, what a fine chap he was, you know. Oh, my goodness. You know, fabulous fellow. Always had a smile. Always had a nice... You know, for me, that would be a wasted opportunity. If I have favor with a group of people, well, then I, I, I want to, to use that. I've told you about my, you know, this is, you know... I haven't got time to tell you that story. It's a waste of time. But you know what I mean? Uh, if we have equity, ask God how to use it well. Now, don't just shoot from the hip, because sometimes, you know, when you read about Jesus' ministry, it was extraordinary. The things he, he put up with, and he bit his lip, and he just turned away. But then other times, when the, God, when the Holy Spirit gave him the prompting, he spoke into situations, and it was rarely welcome, actually. It often caused him problems, you know? Uh, and simply because he was determined to be the king of kings and the light, a light to the nations. And when you, when you take that position, some will thank you and others won't. So all I'm really saying here is this, you know, take every opportunity. If you have an opportunity to, to share your faith, or not, no, you don't have to do the whole sort of caboodle. I, I still love that thing that, that we set up at the beginning of last year, that 90 second, uh, or was it 60 second? I can't remember. 90. 90. 90 second testimony. If you haven't done that yet, get online and do it. It's such a good discipline. You'll never, you'll never be caught off guard again. You know, people will, will give you their attention for 90 seconds, and if you can succinctly, succinctly express, you know, the hope that you have within you and the gospel to boot in a way that isn't all sort of filled with irrelevant super spiritual detail. Uh, then, gosh, you've got an incredibly valuable tool. Some of us have the gift of the gab and others don't. We need to practice. Well, there you are. Have a little go at that. Go online and put up your, your 90-second thing. So take every opportunity. And this is a year, this is a season where we as a church, where we, we are having growing profile, growing favor, not just you know, in our little neck of the woods, but nationally as well, we really do need to make the most of every opportunity, not just bask in it. Okay, moving on. C, call on him. Isaiah 58 verse 9, call on him in the day of trouble. Let God be your first recourse, not your last resort. You know, sometimes stuff happens and, and you know, you get all wound up and then you, then you do get a bit aggravated and then perhaps you say something you shouldn't or you do something you shouldn't or you get carried along by peer pressure into something you feel really uncomfortable with, you know. And, and then at that point, you, when you can't sleep, you toss and turn, you say, oh God, oh God, please help me. I don't, God, I've gotten such a mess, you know. Don't let that happen. Wise up, wake up. Wake up. When you find yourself in that situation, when you can see it coming down the track towards you, that's the time to say, oh God, in this one of my, one other, another little Chris's, of Chris's little prayers is, oh God, let me be true to you and true to myself. Say that little prayer with me. Oh God, let me be true to you and true to myself. If you hold fast to that prayer, and I've prayed that as I've gone through doors into meetings that I know are not going to be good ones. I've literally said it off as an arrow prayer. I want to be true to God first and foremost. Even if that means that I have to say something or that I'm not all that excited about because I know it will not help me win friends. 
but also I want to do it in a way that is, is true to me. And, and that is important. You know, the Spirit of God, when he comes within us, he makes us what we're meant to be, what it, God always intended us to be. He doesn't make us into some sort of extraordinary, you know, Bible-blurting robot, you know, clone thing from the planet Zarg, you know. You know, God is with us. He promises that he will be with us in those difficult situations. And so the good prayer is, Lord, let me be true to you and true to myself. Call on him. Do it first. Not when it's all in complete, you know, disarray and desolation around you. And finally, honor others. Go out of your way to honor others. Forget about your own reputation as best you can. Just forget about it. Put it to one side. Honor others. Time and again in the, in, in the pastoral epistles, it speaks of us honoring others above ourselves. In Philippians, our attitude should be like Christ who humbled himself. Romans 12.10, honor one another above yourselves. We do this because we model something, because in the world out there, in the realm of darkness in which we live and move and have our being, it's dog-eat-dog. It's people trying to, you know, score points off one another. You know, there's kindness out there. There's kindness in surprising places. There are decent people all over the world, and many of them aren't followers of Jesus. We all are capable of kindness and decency, but we're also all, also cap- capable of character assassination. When we're defensive, when we're back-footed, we, 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 we can do the most extraordinarily destructive things. And so resolve now to honor others. Speak well of people. Be amongst those who know how to bite our lips when we want to say something that we shouldn't. And remember how to build others up and speak appropriately. We are children of light. God's light is within us. We are called to be salt and light. We're to fear no man. We're to walk in faith. And all of this is something that we can aspire to at the beginning of this new year. Some of this we've done. Some of this you're good at. Some of these seven points you'll say, oh, yeah, I think, you know, you know, without... I think I've learned that one. Thank you, God. That's not inappropriate. But others, you'll think, oh, God damn me. There's some homework for me, if ever there was homework. So it's time to stretch. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about how we're going to stretch as a community. I'm also going to talk about how God is stretching towards us. What does that look like? This is kind of an interesting thing. It's an unusual little title you know, I like to have something a bit more religious, you know, but, but this is not a very religious title. But actually, it's, the more I thought about it, the more it, it seems that, that God is wanting us to stretch individually at the beginning of a new year as a community and to stretch out to him as he stretches towards us. Amen? Amen. Let's have the worship team back up. Would you please stand? I'll just pray as they come forward.
Father, we want to say thank you to you at the beginning of this new year for the, uh, the opportunities that are already coming our way, things we know about and things we don't know about. And Lord God, uh, we're hardly surprisingly, Lord, if that be the word, if, if, if you are saying underlying all of this, it's going to be a time of increased power and profile and prosperity, well then, Lord God, we want to say thank you because you are good all the time. You are forever kind. And Lord God, uh, we pray, Lord God, that we would make the most of every opportunity. And we pray now, Lord God, that you would be, uh, that this church would be like a city on a hill. It would be impossible to miss as it lights up the skyline. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.